Hi, how's it going? Welcome to another fine episode of the Attack of the B-Movies podcast. No, too cheesy. Yeah, well, until I get a co-host, friends, or theme music, um, that we're going to keep doing that kind of stupid stuff. Anyways, today we're talking about another movie that I consider a cult classic. I love this movie. It's I watched it a couple weeks ago uh, in preparation for this, which was a bad idea because I really should have watched it yesterday. It's a movie I got a request for, actually, from a, uh, from one of our friends at Squabblebox to do. And, uh, no, it's it's not The Hidden. Uh, I know I know one of them wants me to do The Hidden, and I need to re-watch that movie. It's been a long time. Anyways, this is a movie from 1984. This movie actually got good reviews. But it's really kind of sad because, it's it, as much as I enjoy it, it has good Rotten Tomatoes reviews, good reviews in general. And uh, Roger Ebert said, basically, that this was like... Like the best, this movie has been considered like the best movie of 1984. So apparently, 1984 was a really slow year, or a really shitty year for movies. Uh, anyways, the movie has some big stars in it. The movie is uh, movies Repo Man. Now, Repo Man is a 1984 film. Like I said, it's a science fiction co- crime comedy film. That's a lot to take in, right? That's a lot of like. Um, oops, sorry about that. That is a lot of. Uh, it's four genres mixed in right there. Uh, it's written and directed by Alex Cox. Alex Cox was known for... I don't know, let's see... Uh, Repo Man, Sid and Nancy, Straight to Hell, Walker, um, Repo Chick, which technically is a sequel to this, but we'll talk about that later. It... it, it and, and, and he also wrote a sequel that was a book that was supposed to be made into a movie called Waldo's Hol- Hawaiian Holiday. And it never became a movie. So we'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later on, if I, could, if I have any information on it or not. Uh, it, it's got a pretty solid cast, though. It, it's another movie that, um, that stars some... Uh... Oh, you know what? Cox was also a co-writer, now that I think about it, for the screenplay for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas along with Terry Gilliam, which I think is a fantastic movie. Anyways, Repo Man, back to it. It stars Harry Dean Stanton, and Harry Dean Stanton you guys all know from movies such as... Oh, I don't know. Cool Hand Luke, Kelly's Heroes, Godfather Part Two, Alien, Christine, Red Dawn, Pretty in Pink, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, Down Periscope, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Green Mile... Uh, the Avengers. Uh, Stanton's been in a lot of stuff. So, you know, sadly, he died at 91. Uh, September of last year, I want to say it was. Still, had a hell of a career. Lots of good movies. It also stars Emilio Estevez, the mighty Duckman himself. Emilio! Sorry. I can't help myself after watching Night at the Roxbury. Every time I see Emilio Estevez's name, I think that. I also remember back to the NHL playoffs when the Ducks were playing my Blackhawks and Emilio Estevez was all over Twitter about about how they were going to beat us and all this stuff, and then we won and it was like, ha <laughs> You know, I know he's just trying to be relevant after not doing shit for, like, years, but whatever. Do I need to go into any movies Emilio did? I mean, Emilio Estevez, we know he's Charlie Sheen's brother. He did make... He's been in a lot of good movies back in the day, right? He was... 
um, The Outsiders, Breakfast Club, Hit Almost Fire, Maximum Overdrive, Stakeout, Young Guns, Young Guns 2, Men at Work, Free Jack, The Mighty Ducks, Little Weapon 1, Another Stakeout, Judgment Night, D2, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, he was uncredited, but I believe he played in Mission Impossible. And then he pretty much just kind of tanked. You know, I don't know why. Maybe he decided to step away, you know. Maybe he wanted to spend time with his family. You know, I, I really don't know. I, I'm not going to say the guy was a bad actor because he wasn't. But like I said, maybe he just decided, you know, enough's enough. And maybe he went into writing, directing. Uh, I'm not really sure. So he's in it. And then uh, is there anybody else in this movie that we know? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. The movie was produced by... Jonathan Wax, Peter McCarthy, and Peter McCarthy, when it comes to producing, was uh, Tapeheads, Roadside Profits, and Repo Man. That's about it. But the next name is an interesting one. Executive producer on this film was Michael Nesmith. For those of you that don't know, Michael Nesmith was in The Monkees. And he, I believe, was the only one in the Monkees that knew how to play an instrument originally. But I believe he was a, I believe he was a folk, uh, I believe he was a folk guitar, like a folk singer. And he was never really a fan of the project. And somebody recommended it to him and said, hey, I think this is good for you. And I I don't understand, I, I never really understood it, right? So he, he didn't agree with it. But he did it. So I, I don't really. And he was kind of a he was kind of an odd guy. I mean, but I, don't know, I never understood why you know he hated the monkeys so much. But he was more than happy to sign on for it. And, and to be fair to the monkeys, yes, they were a formulated band. They didn't play their own instruments on the first album or the first season of the show. But along with him, the other three got fed up and said, "No, we want to learn. We want to play." And they eventually did learn and play their own instruments. They branched off on their own, and that's a whole other story for another podcast. And I'm rambling on and on. Anyways, Nesmith, when it comes to films, he directed um, or he was well, let's see. I think he was actually in Repo Man too, but he was a producer of it. And he had something to do with that movie Tapeheads as well. But it's just so weird to me that he was, like, the executive producer on this. But, whatever. So, Riverman starts off, we're in the Mojave Desert. Not the Mojave Wasteland, like in Fallout 3, my, one of my favorite games, or Fallout New Vegas, one of my favorite games, but Mojave Desert. And we see a policeman pulling over a Chevy Malibu. I think it's a mid-60s, so, like, 65, 4, 3. So, uh, the car is being driven by a, a gentleman named Dr. J. Frank Parnell. Now, Parnell's character is played by Fox Harris. Don't know who he is. Doesn't matter. I just wanted to, you know, throw it out there. Uh, also, interesting little bit of trivia about this movie is that they only had money for one car. So they bought this car, and they had the film, and... Uh, the car got stolen. So, yeah, there you go. They they had one car, the car got stolen, and I'm trying to see... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking up the about the car being stolen, because I remember it getting stolen. I just want to see if the, how they got it back. 
Uh, also, a lot of the other film cars in the film were uh, personal vehicles that were driven to the set by the cast and the crew. We've seen that happen before. Uh, this film also is full of, um, like, uh, not hard rock, but um, um, punk from the early 80s. Uh, I think there's some Black Flag on there and stuff. It's, it's really known for its soundtrack. But yeah, I, I can't find it right now. But the, the car did get stolen, which was... You're, you're making a movie about Repo Man and somebody stole your car? I mean, come on, that, that's, that's, that's damn funny. I mean, to me, that's damn funny. I wasn't the one filming the movie, so... Anyways, we'll just get on to the movie, and if I find what I'm looking for, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. But it's bugging me, because I thought I knew the information, and I don't have it in the top of my head like I thought I did. Oh, here it is. So yeah, they, the filming began, they only had the one car. It was stolen just a few days into filming, and they had to find a replacement. So they find a new car... And in the meantime, the cops found the old car undamaged. So this worked out pretty good because they ended up with two cars. And you know what can happen, right? You're filming a movie, a car could get damaged. Luckily, that's, they had a second one because that's exactly what happened. One of the Malibus was driven by was being driven by uh, Fox Harris, one of the actors. And it got severely damaged when it plowed into a gas pump. In, in the car wa- There's a car washing in the movie. And it hits a gas pump and uh, damages the car, car. So luckily, they had a second one. So I guess getting it stolen was, uh, you know, impressive. Also, all the Repo Men in this movie are named after beers except for Otto. Which is another interesting tidbit because, hey, I'm a beer fan, right? So you have Bud. Otto is Emilio Estevez's character. Bud is Harry Dean Stanton. Tracy Walter is Miller. And then Cy Richardson is Light, L-I-T-E. So Miller and Light, right? Anyway, sorry, back to the movie. So, um, the policeman pulls over this car driven by Parnell. He opens a trunk, and there's this flash of light, and the policeman gets vaporized, leaving just his boots smoking, right? So then we cut over to, uh, L.A., and we see Otto, Emilio Estevez's character. He gets fired from his job as a supermarket store clerk. He's a young punk rock kid, you know. His girlfriend leaves him for his best friend. Typical thing in L.A. So, Otto's broke, he's depressed, he's wandering around, and, uh... This guy named Bud drives up and says, Hey, kid, I'll give you 25 bucks if you drive this car to the neighborhood. So Otto follows Bud to the car, or in the car, to uh, the Helping Hand Acceptance Corporation, where he learns the car he drove was being repossessed. So he refuses to join Bud as a repo man, and instead he goes up back to his parents' house. And as, when he's at his parents' house, he learns that his burned out buddy, his ex hippie, not buddy, he learns that his parents, who are burned out ex hippies, Donated all the money they promised him for finishing school to a crooked televangelist. A typical that that's a classic eighties thing that really happens. So now he's got no he's got nothing he's got nothing. He's got nothing he could do, there's nothing he could do about he needs a job. So um he contacts Bud and he takes the job, the repo job. So he repossesses this big red Cadillac and uh as he's repossessing it, or after he repossesses it, he sees this girl running down the street, and he asks her her name, she says it's Layla, and he gives her a ride to where she works, and she works at the United Fruitcake Outlet. Clearly, this is not meant to be a very serious movie, right? So, on the way, uh, Layla starts showing him pictures of aliens that she says are in the trunk of a Chevy Malibu. And of course, he's skeptical, because, come on. 
So she's telling him how they, they're dangerous because they, they emit radiation. And clearly we saw this already that they do. Then that's what fried the cop, right? So he, they, um, in the meantime, the helping hand is offering a $20,000 bounty for the Malibu. And everyone, everyone thinks it's a drug-related issue or whatever because the bounty is so expensive, right? Because the car is not worth much. It's not like a mint-conditioned car. So, in the meantime, Parnell ends up coming to L.A. And, um... He's supposed to wait up, meet up with some other, uh... UFO, um... I have to say compatriots, right? And he ends up being... He ends up not being able to meet up with them because there's a team of, um... Kind of like men in black, right? They're just a team of government agents. They're led by uh, this woman, and this chick's got like a metal hand, which is, come on, how metal is the movie? It's all punk rock, and now metal hand. Now we're talking. So um, you can't meet up with them because of them. And it turns out that Helping Hands has a competitor, the Rodriguez brothers. We see them earlier on, too. We, we hear about them. So Otto pulls into a gas station, and the Rodriguez brothers take the car. So, in the meantime, the Rodriguez brothers, who have the car now, decide they're going to stop for sodas because the tr- car's trunk is so hot, they're getting hot and sweaty, whatever. So, as they're out of the, while they're out of the car getting the sodas, some of Otto's punk, uh, punk rocker friends uh, end up stealing, stealing the car. We find out these kids are on a crime spree. They're just trying to steal stuff, right? So, they steal the Malibu. So they go over to, they end up at a nightclub, and Parnell appears at this nightclub. So he tracked them down, he shows up at the nightclub, and he's he's talking to them about uh, opening the trunk up, and he convinces them, he tricks them into opening the trunk. So the trunk opens, bright flash of light, one of them dies, boots and boot smoking, and the other two take off running. So he, uh... Drives off in the Malibu, and I'm going to leave it there. It's a really bizarre movie. It's a really outrageously funny movie. It's not, I don't know if it's supposed to be as funny as I really found it, right? Like you said, like I said, you do find... I mean, there's things I left out, like the Rodriguez brothers I didn't mention right away. But you do, you do hear about them earlier. And it's just such a bizarre movie. Uh, I mean, by the end, there's UFOs, scientists involved, and government agents, and the televangelist is involved, and it's just all kinds of uh, all kinds of weird stuff. And the ending is just out there, man. So, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. I definitely rec. I, this is a movie I will definitely recommend. This is like a four out of five star B movie. Uh, the special effects aren't bad. The funny thing is there's a part in the movie where the car glows, right? And they didn't use special effects. What they did was they painted the car with a special paint from 3M that um, made it reflective. And the paint was probably cheaper than the special effects. I think the paint cost uh, probably $800 a gallon, something like that. I mean, it was special, so it wasn't, it wasn't you know, wasn't cheap. It's like $700, $800 a gallon, something like that, or bucket, whatever you want to say. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of phrasing and stuff that just is, like, 
all over the place. Um, those little Christmas tree air fresheners are in the cars, and we find out. I found out that the company that made those Christmas tree air fresheners actually sponsored the movie. Um, in the movie, there's a Repo Man's code, and it's um, actually based on a based on a, a version of an amalgam a version of wisdom given to Alex Cox when he was serving Cox when he was serving as a real life Repo Man. Man, and like I said, the uh, <clears throat> Lance Hendrickson Hendrickson was actually front runner for the part of a driver in the movie and didn't get it. Oh man, there's there's oh oh the sequel. That's right. Okay, so Waldo's Hawaiian Holiday. According so there was a documentary called The Texas Tale of Treason, and. According to this documentary, Cox wrote a sequel to Repo Man, which he started filming, but I guess rumor has it he started filming and it was never finished. Uh, Chris Bones then saw the script on Cox's website, Nast, and about it, and he received permission to adapt the script into a graphic novel. So the book is called Waldo's Halloween Ho- or Hawaiian Holiday. It was released in March 2008, and um, if any of you have it or pick it up, let me know. I'd love to be interested in it. Also in 2008... In December, a sequel was um, in development called Repo Chick. The story would be set in 2008, and uh, based off like the the boom in the you know because of the recession, the boom in repossession of cars and homes and everything else. Uh, in 2009, Cox announced on his blog that shooting had finished. The film was in post production. He filmed the bulk of the film in front of a green screen. A lot of the backgrounds were uh, filmed and just dumped in during post production. And it's funny because Universal sent Cox a cease and desist notice because he, apparently he doesn't possess the rights to do an official sequel. So he got around it and, and ignored it because he didn't use any of the characters from the original film. So the film actually did premiere in September September eighth. It was premiered at the Venice Film Festival and it was released to the DVD in the United to DVD in the United Kingdom in two thousand eleven uh, in February and in North America the day after. So if anyone's seen Repo Check, let me know. I'd be interested in it, because why not? Uh, I did mention the soundtrack. The soundtrack did have a bunch of punk bands doing the music, right? You had Iggy Pop, Black Flag, Suicidal Tendencies, The Circle Jerks, um, The Plugs. I mean, it, it was a who's who of who was punk rock at the, in 1984. Um, most of the songs are from between 80 and 84. So... It's known for that. It's really known for that too. But um, yeah, that's Repo Man. It, it's a short film, an hour and a half maybe. <clears throat> I I get, hope I gave you enough of a taste to want to watch it, but didn't give I didn't give away the ending. Granted, so uh, yeah, man, just uh, men, women, children. Well, not children. But check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, you know, you follow us on the Facebook page, the Attack of the Bee Movie Podcast. We have a Facebook page. We have the website. Um, let's start some discussions. Let's get you know, let's get going here. So, anyways, I'll talk to you next time. And I'm not sure what I'm doing for next week, but I will let you know.